From the Allen Media Worldwide Headquarters Studios, this is Deconstructing Dallas. Greetings, everybody. This is Ryan Trimble sitting alongside the great, the always prepared Sean Williams. Sean, good day to you, sir. Good day, my friend. I don't know if we can use the great, though, for me today because we are really going to have a great guest whose name is synonymous with the great who we'll be talking about later. But I will accept it. Um, Thank you. Yes. Um, And I wanted to, you know, talk about what happened last week at our happy hour. Man, what a blast, huh? That was a really fun time. Fun time. Fun times had by all. We had a great, great turnout. Thanks to everybody for showing up. Uh, lots of good folks. Lots of our former guests showed up, and uh, we just had a darn good time. Yeah, we talked about this earlier in the studio, our new and improved studio. It's us and the microphone, and you don't know what's happening on the other side. And once we hit send and post, and we go out to SoundCloud and iTunes and everywhere else, you don't know who's listening. But it's cool that some of the folks came to the happy hour and talked about different shows, talked about our guests, and then had a chance to talk to us, talk to our coworkers here at Allen Media. So great idea, and I think we'll have to definitely do it again. Yeah, and I would be remiss if I didn't thank all our coworkers for all their help. I mean, uh, you know, Kristen Welsh is putting up backdrops, and uh, Jessica's running around doing her Jessica thing, pretty much just taking care of everything. And so Carol uh, Ring making desserts. Carol Ring, Bill Stipp, uh, you know, uh, Katie Chu. Thank you, uh, everybody, for hustling around and uh, helping us out because it really is a team effort up here, Sean. Absolutely. Um, you know, Maureen was also helping us. <laughs> shuffle people back and forth because we had again our 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 workspace was full of people full of drinks and beverages uh thanks to our sponsors we had sourced and yum mix that was that were really helping us out you mix yeah you mix really helping us out and uh we had a couple of really cool it was a really cool setup we should have posted like the bar yeah you should see this bar that our friends and thank you rebecca james and her team from source for uh for the really cool hookup if you guys have are having a party and uh need some really cool trendy hip cocktails call sourced please sourced craft cocktails they do a great job really fun presentation huge huge bar that they travel with sean it's pretty amazing it was really nice again right in the middle of our office (laughs) and we had some snacks from effing hot salsa yeah cappy thank you for this for the great salsa you you got uh rave reviews and uh everybody really really dug in and and enjoyed it uh our friends at walmart um, again, coming through with some great grub for us. Haystack, they gave us a $50 gift card that we were able to raffle off, which was really cool. Really cool stuff. Some of our other sponsors, the UNT System, uh, Texas A&M Hotel and Conference Center, the Doug Pitcock 49 Hotel and Conference Center, and of course SMU. And our uh, our friend uh, Brad Chiefs, Vice President of uh, Development and External Affairs, stopped by, and thank you again. Brad, you're, uh, you're a good man, and thanks for coming by the Worldwide Headquarters studios to celebrate with us yeah i think i'm excited because we have some folks that will be able to be introduced to the buck brush like we have been able to use over the last really since we started the show they were like our first sponsor and we were fortunate enough that buck brush gave us three um, brushes that we were able to distribute at the happy hour yeah people were super fired up jordan uh from buck brush thank you again for for coming by and uh bringing bringing the swag you really got the party started with the brushes well you mentioned smu 
and you know, I think it. I'm I'm super excited to talk about last weekend's football um, entertainment. I'm not exactly sure how fired up you are because you uh, spent a lot of that time out in the rain last week. Yeah, I did. We were out early and uh, set up our. You know, we do a big tailgate, as most of you have heard that listen to the show. We do a big uh, big spot on the boulevard uh, before SMU home games, and it was great, Sean. We got out there early, got set up. It was the Friday night ESPN game, and so uh, it was a lot of fun. A lot of action on the boulevard until about five five o'clock when the skies opened up and lightning and thunder and so uh, the game kickoff was delayed. The great folks from the University Park uh, Fire Rescue Department cleared everybody off the boulevard or at least tried to uh, and uh, said, "Hey, we gotta we gotta shut this thing down. There's too much lightning." Well, as you know, I was totally one thousand percent planning to go. I think actually the official <laughs> count was eighty percent. I think was the highest, yeah, I had highest heard, count. I heard 90% chance of Sean Williams. Yeah, I think I got up to 90% at one point, but once I saw four drops of rain, <laughs> That's then right. I, I had to tap out on that. Yeah. But I was keeping up with the game on my phone, and once it kicked off at about, what, 9 o'clock or so? Yeah, it kicked about 9 o'clock. Yeah, once the game kicked at 9, I was looking, and I was like, man, halftime, at least 14, 12. And yeah. I was oh. thinking, man. That's right. Good. Ponies, ponies put up a pretty good fight there for the first half, and uh, you know TCU's got—they're uh, pretty strong—and and came back in the second half and kind of shut down our, shut down our our, our crew. But uh, you know, hats off, come come back after a after a tough effort in uh, Denton the week prior to, you know, show up against the 16th team, uh, 16th ranked team in the nation. Pretty good showing for the bus, the ponies. Well, while you guys were doing that on Friday, on Saturday, I was watching the Aggies take on the number two ranked Clemson Tigers in College Station, and I was hoping that we could stay within two touchdowns. But because of how the Aggies played last year, with kind of a Kellen Mond, who how they played last year against Alabama at home, with Kellen Mond, who was trying to find his way, was struggling, but they kept competing. I think they lost that game 27-19. And then this year, I felt like we could hang with Clemson. I never at any point before or during the game thought that we would win, but I did feel like we have a good showing. And man, very proud of Kellen Mond specifically, but proud of the entire team. And I hope that this is just, you know, the beginning of what the Jimbo Fisher era is going to look like in College Station. Man, a a failed two-point conversion attempt away from tying that thing up right there at the end. And uh, it looks like you made a good investment in Jimbo Fisher, Aggieland. Yeah, that's a lot of money. But if it means this kind of football, I think we'll we'll all be willing to take it out. Uh, sign up for my Association of Former Students dues and get that sent down there. Yeah. And I think Aggies are feeling real good. Shout out to uh, Danny and Megan Felter, who uh, hosted me and Isaiah to watch the game. Some delicious chicken tacos. I mean, just a fun <laughs> fun night. A lot of screaming. Hopefully, I don't think we woke the baby up. But on that last touchdown that was tipped, uh, that, that brought us within two points, that between that and the fumble out of bounds, or, or excuse me, the touchback through the end zone, um, I'm hoping we didn't wake up the kids because we, were, we got a little bit loud at that point. Well, Sean, we are, uh, we are super sportsy today, and I think that's appropriate because our guest today, as you mentioned, is the great Donovan. The great Donovan Lewis from Sports Radio 1310, The Ticket. I mean, I've been a ticket head really, I think, since I moved here from college in 1997, and there were some years when 
my my radio never moved from 1310. I really yeah. did like listening to it on AM back in the day. And I remember one Lent season when I was listening to the ticket so much that I, that I gave up the ticket for Lent. <laughs> That's how much I listened to, um, to the ticket. But, but to have Donovan Lewis, who I've known for years, to, to kind of move into the host chair, it's been really good watching him from starting with Bob and Dan to now on, on the show with Norm Hitchcock on the Norm and D Invasion daily on Thursday. 1310 96.7 from 10 to noon. Yeah, this guy is, uh, he's a, he really works at his craft, and, and it really, sh- you know, you can tell when you're listening that, that he's put in the time. Uh, he's, he's hustling, he's working, uh, really trying to bring his best uh, performance to the show every day and to multiple shows. Not Absolutely. only does he do the 10 to noon slot with, with Norm, uh, he's on the Cowboys post game. He's filling in left and right for folks that are out. He's, you know, taking a weekend shift here and there. So, uh, Don. Johnny do man, that guy is a workhorse. He's unbelievable. Well, I am looking forward to this conversation. I think you will enjoy it. So hang with us. This is Deconstructing Dallas. Sean Williams, Ryan Trimble. We'll be right back with Donovan Lewis. Dallas's emerging urban university. Together we are finding ways to fight Alzheimer's disease. We are the University of North Texas, the UNT Health Science Center, and the University of North Texas at Dallas. Together we are the UNT system. To learn more about the UNT system, visit untsystem.edu. Deconstructing Dallas, Sean Williams, Ryan Trimble. We are uh, honored to have a really wonderful guest today, a friend of mine and and someone that we both listen to, Ryan and I, on Sports Radio 1310, The Ticket. I usually listen on 96.7. And uh, he's on from 10 to noon with Norm Hitchkiss. It is the great Donovan. Donovan Lewis, what's up? Hey, okay. Uh, Thanks for having me, man. Everything's good. Well, um, you know, I want to talk Cowboys for sure, but on this past Sunday, I was listening to the post-game show, and it was you, it was Jake, mm-hmm. and it was Craig Miller, but no Norm Hiskus, which, you know, you and Norm have been doing the post-game for years, so I just want to ask you, like, what was it like doing a post-game show without Norm? It was a little weird, a little different. I watched the game in a, uh, in a very unique way that I think Norm is used to, that I had to calm down a little bit because I didn't want to run Jake. And uh, Junior out of the <laughs> out of the studio as I watched the game, but we've been doing it for a decade now, and it's it's way different. And um, 
I, I think that's where we developed the chemistry to have the everyday right, show. Right. And it's funny that the first time we did the post-game show was a preseason game, and Dallas played Minnesota. And I wasn't scheduled to do the post-game that season, but they wanted to get some backup, just to see mm-hmm. if they can you know, get some guys on the roster to see if they can fill in or whatever. And uh, once we did it, I instantly thought, man, this guy who's been doing radio for three decades mm-hmm. probably made me feel more comfortable in that one preseason game than I have on the air with a lot of different people for the very first time you're working with them. So I knew instantly that, okay, if I was to call doing a postgame show with, with Norm, I'd be okay. And then that same season is uh, when I got the call to do it. And it was, it's, it's been good, man. I, 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 Learned a lot from him. Still do every day, but watching the post game and doing the football, man, I, I really enjoyed it. So you've been watching a decade's worth of Cowboys football for the ticket officially, but yeah. I know you you've been watching your whole life. Yeah, uh, and you you've been around the team. You guys go to training camp and everything. So what's the uh, what's the mood around the team? I know we had a, a tough one on Sunday, but uh, what's the mood like? You know, it's funny because you the Cowboys always have expectations and. Jerry sometimes in those uh, pre-training uh, camp press conferences will always talk about playoffs and Super Bowl and that's what he wants to do and that's what's expected because they're the Dallas Cowboys and it was a totally different vibe this year. You didn't hear anyone mention playoffs. You didn't hear anyone mention the Super Bowl. When I was um, um, going around looking at all of the preseason predictions from a lot of different writers and experts and all that, no one had the Cowboys making the playoffs. Not one person had them even making it. So it seems as though when they have these high lofty expectations is when they fall short. But when no one expects them to do a thing, you would think that that would kind of put a little chip on their shoulder to say, all right, no one's expecting us to do anything. Let's go out there and just play our game. It wasn't quite that evident (laughs) against Carolina Sunday. The offense struggled a lot. But uh, I, I don't think... They're as bad as they showed Sunday, but they do have a lot of work to do in order to try to get a lot better to try to make a playoff run for sure. You know, I, I listened to you and Norm today talking about the game and the 16-8 loss to Carolina, and, and specifically I heard you talking about Dak Prescott, and I, and I heard you talk about the quarterback position. And you go back, and, I mean, he's he hasn't thrown – Hardly for 300 yards, you know, in in weeks and weeks of of play right. on the field, and the offense is struggling. And you had some some theories about you know whether or not he's getting too much maybe uh, on his plate as a quarterback compared to when he first came in and just was setting it on fire. So what what do you think is has been the challenge for Dak? Because it's been a while since we've seen some good play out of. Him. Yeah, I, I I think his first year he came in his third string. Romo gets hurt. Kellen Moore gets hurt, and now he's thrust into action. And I think it's going to sound bad, but I think they babied him. I think they said, all right, you know what? We're going to find a specific uh, set of plays that you do well, and we will continue to do that because we want to put you in a situation where you can succeed. And, boy, did he succeed. 13-3, and three, they made <laughs> yeah, the playoffs. No you know, they are an, an incredible Aaron Rodgers throwaway mm-hmm. from hosting the NFC Championship game mm-hmm. at their house and the chance to go to the Super Bowl. And then once they figured out, okay, this is the guy, they get rid of Romo, this is the guy to lead our franchise, the play book is wide open now you're starting to get 
to where you see some of the weaknesses that you saw when he was at Mississippi State. When he was coming out in the draft, you had, okay, the guy, the further the ball goes downfield, the less accurate he is. And now everyone's clamoring for him to go downfield a lot so you can loosen up the defense. Well, that's not his strong suit. So we expect him to all of a sudden throw it downfield and and just do what he's really not good at doing. Mm-hmm. So you would think that the coach is seeing him for the third year now in mini camps and OTAs and training camp and all the practices will realize and know what his strengths are and would want to just have those shine so maybe he can get a little confidence in him back in him if you start doing some of the things he's really good at he gets that confidence back and then he'll start doing other things but it's a uh, it's been a it's been a tough sled here for the last probably seven, eight, nine games. And I do wonder if that Atlanta game where he was sacked mm-hmm. right. eight times mm-hmm. right. yeah. just took the confidence out of him. Like we would all expect those guys to get out on the field and perform at 100 percent every time they go out because they're professionals and they get paid millions millions of dollars to do it. They're human, man. If I get out there and I get beat up senseless in one game, then I may have a little hesitation going out there trying to do my job well again. So I think they got to get some confidence in him big time in these next few weeks get the offense rolling score some points and then maybe you'll see the deck that you saw in uh, uh 2016 well i was wondering uh donovan who's he gonna throw to i mean you get rid of dez <laughs> yeah uh, you know dez is gone and besides uh, my guy former smu great cole beasley <laughs> um you know where's he gonna go with the ball no, that's true. It's uh, he had a really good security blanket in Witten. He Witten's uh, talent may have been declining a little bit, but he still was right where you needed him that, to be. Yeah, yeah, find the soft spot and go. If go you needed to go seven and him, seven yards and Witten to turn around, he was going to go exactly seven and turn around where you knew <laughs> right. you could deliver the ball right there and he was going to catch it. So I know early on uh, on our show, I would say I don't think you necessarily need to have a number one wide receiver to succeed in the NFL, but he does have to develop some chemistry with someone and have someone maybe with some speed that can threaten and challenge the defense. Yeah a little bit and yeah they're gonna have to have someone step up I, I i love cole and i think they do have a nice relationship but i do think it's gonna take one of those outside receivers to uh loosen that defense up a little bit whether it's alan hearns or terrence williams or deontay thompson or someone michael gallup somebody needs to step up develop that chemistry with Dak uh, fortunately that was just one game one week you have 15 more of these things to go so you have a little more time to try to develop that chemistry for sure this is Donovan Lewis on with Sean Williams and Ryan Tremble on Deconstructing Dallas. Uh, Donovan, you can hear on KTCK the ticket from 10 to noon daily with Norm Hitchkiss. Well, while we're breaking down every part of the offense, I guess I'll move on to the offensive line, and which has been the strength of the team, yeah. really, uh, on both sides of, of the ball. It's the offensive line. And I think really, for the most part, it's been built around three players um, with Tyron Smith. Smith, um, Zach Martin, Travis Frederick. Now Frederick is out with an autoimmune issue that he's dealing with. Um, and then 
really, if you look at Witten as another extension of the line at tight end, um, you've got a lot of changes as it relates to the offensive line. And, and, and so, you know, Zeke hadn't found any running room. Again, it's been one game. But even right. if you look towards the end of the season, there have been some struggles. So, you know, you don't have the pieces on offense that you had even a couple of years ago when you had that playoff team. Yeah, no, no, you're right. And you're right that it's built around those three guys. I think they really expect a lot of Lyle Collins also. So this line, they've thrown all the money in it. It's the biggest investment it's supposed to run this team. And the one thing that I don't like is just the convenient excuse of one of those guys being right. out. So, right. yeah. okay, well, they can't function because one guy's out. And if you have one piece out of three that's uh, uh, not there, you still have a couple of those pieces in this really expensive, big offensive line. So, man, I don't like the excuses. They got to go out there and and perform well even if someone's out. I don't think Looney did, Looney did a terrible job at center replacing Travis. It's a uh, it's a step down in, in talent for sure. But those guys have got to get it together. They are the key. They're the uh, ones that's going to make this team uh, go. And if they aren't playing well, then this offense is not going to play well. Yeah, and it's going to be tough in a really strong division too. I mean, you got the defending champs in the division. Yeah. Skins aren't going to be terrible. Uh, the Giants look to be – I know they took one on the chin Sunday too, but, I mean, they look uh, <laughs> at least improved. They look better. Yeah. yeah. And so um, look across the uh, – you know, look across the broader NFL. What are you seeing as far as, um, you know, who's going to come out of the NFC, who's going to come out of the AFC? Look in your crystal ball for us, <laughs> if you will, I think Philadelphia can be had. Uh, it's funny because they struggled in that first game against Atlanta, yeah. but they still won the game. Nick Foles, I think that magic two-game run that he had, it was going to be looked back upon and said, wow, how did that dude do that? <laughs> because if they have to count on him for another yeah. six weeks, you don't know when Wentz is going to be back. They could be behind the eight ball, but, hey, they are grinding out wins, something that the Cowboys just seem like, seem like they can't do yeah. when they don't have all their pieces just grind out a win. Uh, you know, if long as, as long as Aaron Rodgers is healthy, Green Bay is always going to be a threat. I think Minnesota will be a threat. The Rams, that they didn't play their guys in the preseason, and a lot of people said, hey, you got to play those guys in the preseason. They didn't, and they smoked Raiders, the Raiders uh, sure. last night. So they'll be good. I think even with the bad performance Atlanta had, they'll be good also. That's why it's so... Uh, disconcerting to see Dallas get this slow start now because you can't afford to lose ball games when your defense plays probably as well as they can against a decent Carolina offense. Yeah, so, shut down Cam Newton right, pretty well. First quarter, Cam Newton was running all over the place. Yeah. And then they figured it out. They made those in-game adjustments, and they played well the rest of the time. So you, you can't waste performances like that. So it's... My crystal ball is kind of cloudy a little bit. <laughs> I would tell you I think we'll win and they would have no shot at winning. But uh, I'm not on the jump off the train with the Cowboys just yet. They have a long way to go. And I think whenever you have Zeke and Dak and that offensive line, if they can get it together, then they'll always have a chance to win football games. The key is they've got to get it together. One more on the on the Cowboys and I guess football um, because for the last few years I played fantasy football. You know when you play fantasy, you watch the whole league. Sure. When you you know aren't you focus on your team a little bit more, and so looking across the league to me, it feels like just the Cowboys 
play different. Their philosophy is different. And, and I know, you know, this is really about coaching. And you can even go about how the team is set up. Right. But just on the general philosophy of, of the way you see the Cowboys play football game versus other teams that you watch, uh, it just seems different. And, and I even hear people talk about, well, you know, North Turner did this for the Cowboys in the 90s. Well, what you, if you're doing what you did in the 90s, <laughs> now, <laughs> right, and right. you're not, North Turner isn't even doing what he did in the 90s exactly. Sure. So, I mean, what, what do you see when you look across the league, because you were kind of breaking down some of the teams, as it relates to how the Cowboys game plan versus other teams? The NFL is a passing league now, and we all know that, but the Cowboys are built to run. So, when they're trying to run and it doesn't work, it looks awful. It looks boring. It looks like it's the worst play calling in the whole wide world. But when it works, it's a thing of beauty. Seeing that offensive line just run block, power off their blocks, open up holes, and Zeke's running running through it. If you can line up and say, you know what? They know exactly what we're going to do, but we're so good at what we do, they can't stop it. That is probably the most beautiful brand of football you can put out there. And, yes, they're built differently than the rest of the league. And when they can't do other things to be successful but try to run the football and that other team stops it, it looks like they don't know what the heck they're doing. So it's uh, it's really weird that it could you could either love it or hate it because of the results. But this is the way this team is built. This is the way they've invested all their money in this team to run the football. And to, for this team to be successful, they have got to find a way to do it. Whether they're, the, uh, the defense stops them or not, they've got to find a way to run the football. If they can't, then they look lost. Deconstructing Dallas, Ryan Trimble, Sean Williams. We're going to take a quick break. Be right back with the great Donovan. Stay tuned. Thanks for tuning in. Texas A&M has a new on-campus, full-service, world-class hotel and conference center. The Doug Pickcock 49 Texas A&M Hotel and Conference Center and guest room options are still available. Your tax-deductible donation to the hotel comes with a guest room option that gives donors exclusive reduced room rates for all home game weekends, a dedicated concierge to help with reservations and trip planning, and access to valet parking. Lock in your donation and room today by calling 979-429-2153 or go to TAMUHCC. We are back. Deconstructed Dallas, Sean Williams, Ryan Trimble. We are on with the great Donovan Lewis from KTCK, The Ticket. And Donovan, I wanted to talk a little bit about little bit about your career at the ticket because we've got a lot of ticket heads here at the office uh some of the biggest folks including one of our bosses who's out of town listen to the ticket every day we text each other about did you hear fake jerry (laughs) right whatever um but it's funny to me because when i first met you probably 15 years ago Mm -hmm. and we were hanging with some of our fraternity brothers and they would tell me what stations you're working at i'll be like man i don't know (laughs) 
like, I don't know what station is. Is it K104? Is it 979? Yeah, I don't know what that is even. Right. And so, you know, I didn't know anybody black on the radio who didn't work at the urban station. Sure. You know, sure. so can you talk a little bit about like your early career in radio and kind of how you came up to even get to the ticket? Absolutely. I, uh, I graduated college in 93. And when I graduated, my uncle, my uncle Perry, gave as a graduation gift a lunch with Bob Ray Sanders Mm -hmm. who used to work at the Telegram but he had a show an evening show from 8 to 10 on KLIF 570 it's just talk radio so I had lunch with him and we sat there and talked for maybe an hour and a half, just bent his ear about everything. And he called me a week later and said, hey, I think they have a job opening at KLIF. Won't you come apply for it? Went and applied for it. I had never heard of KLIF before in my life, in my entire <laughs> life. And uh, applied for the part-time board operator job. Got the job back in 93, and I've been in the company ever since. So I've worked at KLIF for 10 years. Started out part-time board operating on the weekends whenever they needed me. But that's when the ticket started. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So when the ticket started, they pulled a couple of people from KLIF over with them. So it gave me the opportunity to move up as far as when I was at KLIF. So I started working with uh, Kevin McCarthy mm-hmm. on his show in 94. And I worked there for five years with him. And uh, they moved some stuff around. They changed the format on KLIF. And I started producing uh, one of the newer shows on the new format that didn't work out so well. (laughs) But then in 2003, I moved to uh, 93 Through the Bone, Mm -hmm. classic rock station. And I had no idea about classic rock, never listened to the music, almost didn't take the job. The job was producing the morning show. And I wasn't going to take it. And they had music? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. It was my first album in music radio. Yes. And uh, almost didn't take the job because I didn't know anything about the music at all. And I remember one of the big, big bosses calling me into his office and asked me, had the program director from the uh, Bone talk to me? And I said, yes, he did. And he looked me right in my face and said, you really need to think about taking that job. <laughs> so I thought, okay, maybe my time at KLIF was ticking away and he was just trying to give me an opportunity to step up my game a little bit. So just kind of jumped out of my comfort zone because I was very comfortable where I was and just doing what I was doing. Stepped out of the comfort zone, jumped into it head first and produced the morning show at a classic rock station. And it was probably three of the most fun years I've had in radio. It was mm-hmm. awesome. Learning the music, it was all new to me, but it was awesome all old to everyone else but then uh, Cumulus came and took over and bought the radio stations and when they did they fired everybody at the bone and I thought I was going to get fired also <laughs> but they came in and said that they were going to give me an opportunity to work at the ticket because they thought that it would be a good fit so that's when they put me with Bob and Dan noon to three on the ticket like three days a week mm-hmm. and then I kind of took the career by the you know what's walked in and said, if we're going to make this work, it has to be every day. I don't mm-hmm. know if I can get a rhythm three days a week. He looked at me and said, OK, let's do it. And so that started the every day at the ticket and uh, worked with Bob and Dan for nine years before they moved me with uh, Norm in uh, 2016. So I've been with Norm now for three years. 
Man, well, those folks at Cumulus were on to something. Oh, man, man. I'm I'm glad. (laughs) Well, I mean, look at you. I mean, you go from lowly board-up, weekend board-up guy, to now you're adding jet fuel to the Norm Hitzka show. I mean, (laughs) you doubled the ratings right away, Uh, month over month. It's been a a true blessing, man. uh, He was very welcoming. It's a guy that's been working by himself for all those years four decades yes to just <laughs> yeah. open up and say okay I'll take on a co-host and and will be very accommodating and and set me down and said this is not my show this is our show so we're going to treat it like our show and we're going to do it that's the only way it'll succeed so I was really really happy about that and it's it's been fun it's it's been a a pretty pretty fun ride here so far yeah that's that's good um I've always thought that you had a really unique approach and unique sound and just kind of a unique perspective on sports and sports journalism. And so tell me about your process. Like, how do you get ready for a show? How do you get ready to break down a game or get ready for a segment? Get, give us this, the secret sauce. <laughs> it's a... Uh, uh... It's it's not a complicated process. I don't think it's, you know, once you get off the show, I think my day starts when our show ends at noon. So it ends at noon. I immediately walk out of the studio and go home. There's no post anything. I'm done. I'm done at noon. I usually get home about one and maybe would decompress a little bit. But then it start, you know, laptops always in my lap. I have my phone right by my side. You're trying to check Twitter and other news, just trying to catch up and stay up on what's going on. And then it's according to what season it is. So if it's football season on Sundays, you know, you, you do your thing, go to the studio, watch the game. In studio since I'm on a post game show, mm-hmm. uh, so if it's 3:25 kick, I get up to the station about three o'clock, watch the whole game. Two hours afterwards, you're taking notes, and you're. I don't take notes very well. I'm trying to work on that. <laughs> I I kind of rely on a memory that's pretty good, and while everyone takes really really hard notes, I kind of rely on my dome up here. So <laughs> I uh, I'm trying to get better at that, but. A lot of people will look at me and say, man, your show is two hours. I see you just work two hours. It's like, no, it's 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 a whole lot deeper than that. You know, you watch games a different way. I watch games differently when I'm working than when I'm just sitting back and enjoying them. Because if you're trying to talk about that game and break that game down and deconstruct that game, you have to watch it with a different eye than if I'm at the stadium and just sitting back with a, with a beer and some peanuts or uh-huh. something like that. So uh, I think that takes a little bit out of you. Um, if it's baseball season or basketball season and I'm watching those games, I consider that work. And with the ticket, since we talk about way more than sports, if I'm out doing whatever, if I'm at a movie, I consider that work because that's a potential subject for us to talk about on the radio station. We bring our personal lives into the station a lot, a ton, which upsets my wife to no end. (laughs) But it's something that I think makes us different from a lot of other people because I think anyone can sit back and tell me how many points Dirk had or how many rebounds DeAndre Jordan had. But if it's something unique that I saw during the game, whether it was something with the cheerleaders or something with the announcers that I can play back or anything else like that. I think that's what makes us different and what makes us successful. So you try to look for different angles rather than just spitting out stats or doing that to try to um, uh, uh, bring to the table to be a little different than everybody else. 
when you talked about bringing your personal life on the radio, I immediately thought about the upper deck. But that's for <laughs> yeah. another day for You're people who that, may not have been that's listening. That's a whole nother that. podcast right there, buddy boy. <laughs> a whole nother one. So, you know, thinking back, and again, this is Sean Williams, Ryan Trimble on Deconstructing Dallas with Donovan Lewis um, kind of geeking out a little bit on, you know, ticket lore. <laughs> but early on when you got on the ticket, to me it seemed like – you know, you you brought this hustle effort to the to me. It was like any time there was an open shift, you would take it. And so, if that meant that you know one of the morning show guys was out and you took that shift, and then you came back and did noon to three on the same day, and then the next week you were taking the hardline shift because the hardline was out. You know, it seemed like then that you did that. But the funny thing is also that you still it feels like have that same mentality. Because while we were in between, you were talking about you're taking a stab at high school football yeah. in the booth. And even, you know, I like listening to you and Jay Kemp doing the sampler platter. So, you know, kind of how has it been for you kind of finding your niche uh, and even just experimenting and trying different things at the ticket? Yeah. First off, it's a uh, it's a dream job. It's something that wasn't really available when I was in college majoring in radio television sports talk radio wasn't that big and now all of a sudden it's blown up to where it's all over the place and watching a game is something I would do regardless if I was working at the ticket or not talking about that game with my friends would be something I would do whether I was working at the ticket or not so now I get an opportunity to watch those sports that I would watch anyway talk about it and get paid for it so that's like my gosh that's that's exactly what i wanted to do but man i i always feel that i need to work or try to work harder than everyone else to get what i want to say out and I, I guess you can just sit back and say, ah, you know, I don't want to do that because I'm pretty established where I am right now. But man, A, I love what I do. And B, if I have an opportunity to work with other people and talk about uh, other things with them and just develop chemistry with that, you never know where that may lead yeah, or where right. that may go. So, I, hey, if somebody is out and they need me to fill in for them, I am all for it. I. It's not a time I will say no because uh, that that hustling mentality I don't think will ever leave me. I think the the time I sit back and I'm really comfortable where I am and what I'm doing is probably when I'll get a little nervous and want to maybe try to think about moving on because I know I can always get better at what I do and 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 the only way to get better is to continually do it. So if it's meaning you know if it means getting another shift here or working a full week doing a double shift hey i'm all for it because i i I love it man your the work at your craft really shines through on the radio i'll just say thank you i I appreciate appreciate your work for many years so so uh thank you for putting in that effort (laughs) so uh, so away from work like tell me about the fun stuff whether it's stuff you guys do with the ticket what's the best sporting event what what do you like to do um what's the most fun thing to do around dallas or anywhere for that matter i've uh we had a bit about three years ago called the April Fool's Open, where they took all of the non-golfers to see who would be the best non-golfer uh-huh. and the worst. And after we did that, the golf show on Saturday said, hey, let's pluck one of those guys out and see if we can teach him how to play golf to see who can break 100. And they chose me. 
and I've been playing <laughs> golf ever since. And that's something that I go and look to do at every single turn of my life. <laughs> I, I'm trying to think of how my, the hierarchy of my life goes. I think it goes God, my wife and golf? <laughs> golf and my wife? I'm not quite sure. I'm not figuring that out yet. Yeah. But no, no, I love I love uh, playing golf. Um, just spending time with uh, uh, friends and hanging and having fun and laughing. That's what I love to do. Yeah. So if, if, if you said, hey, let's go sit down and have a drink and just shoot the, you know what, I am all for it because I just love meeting new people and networking and, and, and trying to meet uh, the people in our business because this is a this is a volatile business that I'm in. One day you can be on top of the world, and the next day it could be all over with. So, yeah. No, this is you know what this the three of us do have something in common. Okay, that we all like, and that is Las Vegas. Oh my God, we are all <laughs> yes. three fans. We talk about it on the show from time to That's time, right. and I heard you. I told you, I heard you talking about about to talk about Las Vegas on the show, and I hadn't been in a while, so I had to turn it because I didn't want to listen to how much fun. I know that you had, but I've, that's that's yeah. something that we share in common here. I've probably been to Vegas about fifteen times. I went for my fortieth birthday. Uh, it was a guys' trip, and we had so much fun. We've been going ever since. So this past August was trip number eight. You've you've heard some of the some of the shenanigans that. The go funny on thing is that the trip. funny thing, Ryan, is that like we would go. My group that would go, we'd go like uh-huh. two weeks after Donovan's group. So I'd call him and other guys. And I'd be like, okay, <laughs> what did y'all do? What was hot? What? And then they'd be like, oh, no, this place was good last year, but now nobody goes. I, I literally would take notes. Take notes. <laughs> and then I would follow their footsteps like two or three Working weeks later. on your craft. Yeah. Right, right, right. Exactly. Researching. That's what it's all yeah. about. Dude, those yeah. lights, those sounds, just everything just hey, pulls me I've in every time. There, oh, so do you I really? Know, okay. man, I'm in. Oh, my gosh. Just everything about it. Where do you like to it. stay? We usually stay at the Palms. Uh-huh. But this past uh, August, we stayed at the Cosmo oh. for the first time. Yes, yeah. see, that's yeah. where we have been staying. Oh, yes. God, I love that hotel. <laughs> that hotel is the best. So I don't yeah. know if we're going to have just a, uh, to have to ditch the Palms and stay at Cosmo. But uh, we stayed all over the place, man. But Cosmo was pretty yeah, sweet. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. 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 Donovan, we certainly uh, appreciate having you on today. If, if our listeners want to find you and follow you and, and uh, you know tweet at you, where can they find you? Uh, my Twitter handle is at Great Donovan. Uh, I'm on Instagram. I usually don't Instagram a lot. I don't take a lot of pictures and post them, but you're I am not, on you're Instagram. You're not doing it for the gram? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not a, I'm not a grammar, a Grammy. I don't know what it is. Uh, but it's at Donovan13, Donovan Lewis, at Donovan Lewis1310. That's my Instagram. And uh, man, just listen to the station. Listen to the show. 10 to noon. It's the Norm and D invasion. Monday through Friday, uh, 10 to noon. I'm also on the post game show with the Cowboys. Uh, two hours. Hours after every show, we break it down, we take calls, we have a lot of fun. And yeah, every now and then we'll do a Thursday show where we uh, uh, play music and we dive into where that music came from. I really, really love that show. I love doing research yeah. for that and just adding a lot of old 60s and 70s tunes to my uh, repertoire so I can listen. But uh, I try to be all over the ticket, man. So if you guys will listen to the ticket, we really, really would appreciate it. That's good. Well, thanks for coming on, Donovan. We certainly appreciate it. We'll be right back after a quick break, Deconstructing Dallas. Thanks for tuning in.
Welcome back. Deconstructing Dallas, Ryan Trimble, Sean Williams. Sean, how about Donnie Dew? Man, fun times. Great insight on the Cowboys, but I was really interested to hear, you know, about his career. And although I watched watched part of it, I didn't know all of the stories that he told us. So um, it was a, it really exciting. And he promised to come back during basketball season. So that's going to be cool. Yeah, that's exciting. He's, uh, you know, like we talked about, he's he's really an insightful guy and, and has uh, really, I think, different observations than a lot of folks that are just, you know, uh, looking at stats or, or other uh, sportsy notes. I mean, he's got a good eye for things and, and really um, works by feel a lot, I think. So uh, really fun interview. And thank you, Sean. I know you, uh, you've known Donovan for some time. And so really fun treat uh, as, a, as a ticket listener myself to, to get to meet him and hear him in studio. Well, um, fun times on the interview, but you got to get out of here. You are headed to the big house to watch the ponies. That's right. This uh, the, this weekend, the Mustangs take uh, take on the Wolverines, Michigan Wolverines. This game's been on the schedule for about five years now, and I remember telling Lauren, uh, "Honey, we are such big college football fans. We've got to go to the big house when this, you know, in 2018, we got to go to Michigan. I don't care how we get there, when we get there, we got to go." And so, about mm, four weeks ago, Lauren says. Oh no! This game's coming up. Does he really want to go? And yes, I did want to go. Of course. And so, of course. Um, my my blushing bride, my loving wife, agreed. And so we are uh, loading up and headed north, and we will be uh, uh, enjoying the sights and sounds of Ann Arbor. Well, I'm a big proponent of taking opportunities, especially you never know when an opportunity like this will come around again, and you'll be kicking yourself if you don't do it. So. Um, oh yeah. So fun note on that. This is only the second time SMU's played Michigan in their history and the first time was a loss, a 27-16 loss in 1963 but Lee Iacocca of the Ford Motor Company actually went down and, and congratulated the Ponies on a spirited effort after that 1963 game, went into the locker room. So, Well, let's, uh, let's hope for another spirited effort this weekend. <laughs> let's, let's hope that we can at least uh, uh, you know, get within the five-touchdown spread. Sean? Well, we will check back with you on the next show. Um, thanks to our listeners. Thanks to our bosses, Mary Woodleaf, Jennifer Pascal. Thanks to Donovan Lewis from The Ticket for joining us. Thank you for the whole Allen Media team. Thanks to our sponsors. Please, please rate our show, uh, review our show, especially on iTunes, but any platform where you listen to your um, podcasts. Um, check us out. Deconstructing Dallas. We'll be back soon. Sean Williams, Ryan Trimble. Adios. Adios.